I'm Regina Beach, and you're listening to Saturn Returns, a show about stories with the clear before and after. This week you'll hear about week three of Craig and my cycle trip from Milan to Split. I get lost, we change our plans, and we camp in some really cool places. I could have easily stayed in Slovenia longer. My maternal grandmother's mom was born there and I would have loved to explore the small towns and go further inland. We didn't really initially plan to stay overnight in Slovenia but it was so charming and there's campsites literally every 500 meters. It was a beautiful country, great bike infrastructure, excellent lanes, really friendly people. I hope to go back one day. We continued into Croatia and the hills got really big. The mountains came out of the earth and wow, distance doesn't matter when you add an elevation. You can go a hundred kilometers a day easily on flat ground, but when you add in the elevation, it gets really hard really fast. We didn't make it as far as we had initially planned. We went through some beautiful mountain towns and saw gorgeous vistas. It was raining, but it was tolerable. And there were plenty of terraces of vines of grapes and of olive orchards. This part of Croatia is called Istra, and much like Italy, it's known for olive oil and fabulous wine. The type of wine where you mean to have a glass and end up drinking the whole bottle because it just goes down smooth and tastes delicious. We stopped at the bottom of a long descent and got a coffee and a beer and walked into a truffle shop and got some truffle oil and it was two then three o'clock and suddenly the sun was setting and it gets dark really early here. I'll get back to the beginning of Croatia in a minute, but for now we're in Zadar, where the sea plays a giant harmonica next to the waterfront. Kind of sounds like a whale. If you ever wondered what it was like if the sea sang, this is what it sounds like, the sound of the sea singing. It's discordant and eerie. It's deep and it's not very beautiful. I meant to start at the beginning of the week, but I jumped to Inmediares. Right now, we're cooking dinner, some tortellini, at our campsite. We're wild camping again. We left Zadar today, which wasn't even on our original itinerary. It's a beautiful town. It has marble streets and a big city wall, and it's right on the water. And we left heading towards Kirka National Park. And as the sun was setting, we were starting to look for a campsite. We decided to go a little bit further. Found a good spot, but there were a lot of dogs. There were some people. Kept going. And then we were in the brush, and there was a lot of garbage. We haven't seen a lot of dumping until today. And then we saw some signs 
saying that the land was full of mines that had been dropped during the Civil War and hadn't been cleaned. And that was pretty visceral and pretty shocking. Craig's been to Croatia before several times. And the first time he came, it was still Yugoslavia. It was pre-war times and uh, he came with his family. Today we cycled past whole abandoned villages and dilapidated buildings and then the landmines. It's proof that the war is in the past, but it's still pretty recent. We're out of Istra and into Dalmatia now, in the southern part of Croatia. We made the decision yesterday to put the bikes on a bus and travel from Rijeka down to Zadar. Our original itinerary was doable, but really stressful. And we decided that it would be nicer to do a little sightseeing, see the national park, and do some hiking instead of working our way across the mountains. It was a tough decision, but ultimately, I think it was the right one. Plan A was to cycle through the islands, jumping back and forth on ferries between the mainland and the islands, eventually ending up in Split. Plan B was to cycle north to Rijeka and get a ferry down to Pog, skipping a few islands, but unfortunately, the catamaran that we were going to take didn't allow bicycles. So we went to the bus station and got a ticket to Zadar and sat on the bus for four hours. We were off the bikes for less than 24 hours and I already missed them. I don't like sitting on buses. I didn't like the waiting, the inaction. It's better to be doing something. It's better that the getting there is the destination, that the journey is what we're after and not necessarily the sightseeing. It was a good realization for me because the mountains had been so hard and the, my legs were sore and my faith in myself was diminishing. Today was a lot of off-roading. Today was difficult, but today was so fun and so beautiful. Craig and I have both experienced landmines before in Cambodia and in Laos where we met. We met about 11 months ago, just shy of 11 months ago when he was riding his motorcycle through Southeast Asia and I was teaching English in Savannakhet, Laos. He came to renew his visa and we met, went out for drinks, went to the casino and decided we would meet up again the next day. I rode on the back of Craig's motorcycle to Tat Hang Stupa and we went to the salt factory and to the beer savan distributing plant where we met the son of the owner. These were things in my own adopted hometown that I had never done before. And since he was a tourist, I figured, why not? He was scheduled to pick up his visa and go back to Vietnam the next day, but instead he decided to stick around. We went to the monkey forest, which was definitely out of his way to come back and drop me off, but it was really fun. We had dinner and drinks, and after, he kissed me. This is our fourth date. He came back to Savannah Cat a few months later with a French friend on his motorcycle. And then in June, I went to visit him for two weeks in Vietnam, and we went around the Hazang Loop, and it was so beautiful and so hilly and so much fun. This is the longest fourth date I've ever had. A month of cycling. Three countries. It's going to be hard to top this.
things are good. We found our rhythm. But at the beginning of the week, it was a bit rocky. Back to the first day in Croatia. It's raining. It's dark. The road has turned to dirt, and we still don't know where we're going to sleep. Craig found a campsite on Google Maps, and we head up that way, set up the tent in the dark on a hill. He's at the downhill side of the tent. In the morning, he's really being crushed by me and all of our stuff that's rolled down that way. We dry everything out, take a shower. The guy who runs the campsite comes to collect the money, and we decide we need a new plan. We can't just keep going and going and going. We have to plan ahead. We have to know where we're going to sleep, at least before nightfall. We left the camp and Craig was leading. We were headed south to Porak and then to Pula. And immediately, I took a wrong turn. I figured, oh, I'll see him around the next corner. Oh, I'll see him over the next hill. Oh, he'll wait for me at the next junction. I get to a roundabout and there's no one. I know I've gone the wrong way. I figure, okay, I'll turn back around, head back towards the campsite. He'll have done the same. We'll find each other. I turn around, head back towards the campsite, and sure enough, he's like, how did you get lost in the first few hundred meters of this cycle? He had gone all the way up this huge hill, realized I wasn't behind him, and had to come his way back down and find me. We decided I definitely needed to buy a SIM card so that if I got lost again, I could text or call. We made our way up the hill, him for a second time, and through a small town where we found a hardware store. He had wanted some wire to attach the lights to his helmet, and I had wanted some new bungee cords as one of mine was really fraying and on its last legs. We bought our things, got back on the bikes... And again, I immediately take a wrong turn. Don't know where he is. Follow the signs to Porek. I know that's where we're headed. And again, I think, I'll see him on the next turn. I'll see him at the next roundabout. I'm embarrassed. Don't know where I am. And I decide to keep going. He decided to turn around. He sat next to the hardware store. He got himself a beer. He hung around for 30 minutes couldn't find me and decided okay I guess she must have continued on I panicked I turned the data on my cell phone I tried to text him I tried to Facebook him I tried to whatsapp him I finally found a pizza restaurant that had wi-fi called him and said I'm here please meet me we had a laugh and a beer and a giant delicious pizza and decided yes the very next town, we will stop and get me a SIM card. Pork was beautiful. It's a port town. It has a nice square and a nice little tobacco shop where for 55 kuna, you can buy 10 gigabytes of data on a SIM card. We sat in the square. I switched over my SIM. He called me. I answered. I won't get lost again. We didn't make it all the way down to Pula, which was all right. We knew that that we would probably end up wild camping. We found a little field off of the highway, and it was perfect. There was a small tower that we climbed up to watch the sunset and climbed up the next morning with our coffee and our pastries to watch the sun rise. I don't know if these little towers are relics from the war, if they're hunting towers, if they're bird-watching towers, but... That campsite was 
amazing. It was such a little tucked away hideout, so close to a main road. The next morning, we went 100 meters up the street and found a lady selling lavender. It's really popular in Istra in Croatia. We bought three little satchels, figuring we have a lot of stinky feet and stinky shoes between the two of us. And we walked down this path to the sea. It was beautiful. There was an abandoned boat dock where we could see the jellyfish and the mussels and the fish swimming around underneath the crystal clear water. We hiked back up to the top, got back on the bikes, and finished getting to Pula, where we had booked a a little apartment. There's apartments for rent everywhere in Croatia. They have a little kitchenette and a bathroom and a bedroom, and they're perfect to get a nice hot shower, cook some food, not on a camp stove, and sleep in a nice bed, not in a tent. We cycled around some of the old bunkers that have been turned into things like aquariums and dance halls and community centers. These are former military buildings that are now being used by the public. We biked back to where we were staying and decided to go out for dinner and ice cream and drinks and wander around Pula, which is just another pristine, gorgeous port town. Croatia is well known for DJs and music festivals, and so Craig's been to Pula before for exit festival, but his friends never wanted to go inside the Pula Amphitheater, which is from Roman times. Gladiators fought there, and he was really excited to take a tour. Unfortunately, when we got there, there were no audio tours to be had, and we couldn't find anything online, so we just walked around making up stories about ancient Roman fights and tried to listen in on an English-language tour from a group that was walking through the theater. It was huge and just as well-preserved as the Colosseum in Rome, and you could actually go down into the arena and look up to see what it feels like to be a fighter, be an animal, be someone paraded around. There are actual concerts and reenactments that happen in the Pula Arena, just like they reuse the military facilities. They are also actively using the arena for shows. In the afternoon, we went to a former army barrack that is now an artist squat, and there's over a hundred organizations that are using the building as their headquarters. We went into a really interesting exhibit in a community radio station about the protests and strike that's happening by the ship builders who are getting priced out of their work. So this summer, in the height of tourist season, they had a huge protest march where they disrupted the main square and were talking about fair wages and workers' rights. In that same building, there was tons of graffiti. There were martial arts and dancing visual artists, a daycare for disabled youth. 
there were art studios and board game clubs and circus arts and everyone was happily working together in this big huge building it was such a cool place to walk around look at the graffiti and see all the different people working together in this squat that the government just never turned off the power or the water to Pula is a great town. I would definitely go back there. Highly recommend it. The people were nice. There's so many parks, great cycling. And while it is very hilly, um, having the weight off of the bikes makes the hills 10 times easier and more doable. After two days in Pula, it was time to cycle to Brestova to get the ferries towards the islands. We were making excellent time really flying on fast roads we were 24 kilometers outside of the city when craig's spoke broke we were in the middle of nowhere the closest bike shop behind us was in pula and the closest bike shop ahead of us was another 20 some odd kilometers away pretty far to walk and he couldn't ride the bike it was too wobbly with the weight on it so we said, okay, we'll try to get into the next village, try to ask someone for help. Maybe there's a bike enthusiast there. Maybe we can get a hitch into the next town. We'll figure it out. We walked less than a mile and found a man using a chainsaw in his field. And we went up to him. Craig used his very limited Croatian to say, do you speak English? My bike is broken. Uh, he showed him the bike. We asked if we could use some tools to get the old spoke out. And he said, oh, yeah, sure. Helped us. Was so kind. This really, he looked like Popeye. Huge arms, big hands. You could tell he had done hard labor his whole life. And then we stuck around trying to figure out how to get one of my spare spokes onto Craig's bike. The spoke that was broken was on the back tire and really you needed to remove the rear cassette, all of the gears in order to properly put the spoke in. The man saw what we were doing and said, oh, my son, my son knows. And he called his son who spoke perfect English. His name was Aaron and Aaron had a similar bike to Craig's. He had the tools to remove the cassette, helped us put the spoke on, Craig trued the wheel, and something that could have been a real game ender ended up being a really awesome interaction with local people. Aaron works for a company in Pula and says that there's a zip line attraction near his village that's run by an Englishman who he likes to practice his English with. With Craig's bike back in working order, we were able to put all the gear on and we really only lost an hour or so of time. It was definitely a humanity restoring encounter because that guy didn't have to help us. He didn't have to give up his time, his tools and make sure that we were safe and on the way. But we've come to really appreciate the hospitality that we've received in Croatia. When you learn a few key phrases, people are really keen to speak English. People are excited that we're touring here. And especially, I think, because it's November. 
there aren't that many tourists. It's pretty quiet everywhere we go. It's so unspoiled and it feels like we're the first people to discover any of the small towns that we're in. It's really magical. We got to Brestova pretty late at night. Um, Not necessarily late in the time, but definitely it had already been dark. We went down a huge windy road in the dark to get to the ferry port which was exhilarating but also a little bit terrifying because there were buses and cars and things that were coming around behind us and we just didn't want to get hit. We made it. We're like, okay, here we are. We're going to get off the mainland and on to the islands. And uh, we stopped for a beer, just waiting for the ferry to come. And suddenly the rain started pouring down really big harsh pounding drops of rain we were lucky that we were already off the bikes we were lucky that we were already waiting for the ferry there was a big group of children who had been on a field trip that went shrieking and screaming back onto their bus as the rain came down we got onto the boat with the bikes and sailed 30 minutes from the mainland over to Krez Island. The problem was we didn't have a plan for once we got onto the island. I just figured we'd find a place to wild camp and everything would work itself out. But Kress Island is basically a big mountain that sticks out of the sea. Everything's super rocky. And anything that's not rocky is super steep. All of the olive trees grow at such crazy angles and it's not feasible to pitch a tent on the slopes. We finally settled on pitching the tent in the middle of the walking path at the edge of the town near the ferry port. It wasn't a very covert place. We could have easily been seen, but it was night and it was off season and it was raining and we decided this is the best we can do for right now. We woke up at 5 a.m., no one had bothered us, packed down the tent in the dark, and got on the road before the first ferry came in. No one spotted us, we were fine, and we had a reasonably dry good night's sleep. Crossing Crest Island was possibly the hardest cycling we've done this whole trip. Like I said, it's a big mountain in the middle of the sea, and the uphills were so long, it was hot, It was tiring. I kept trying to tell myself, it's not raining, you're lucky, Craig's bike's fixed, we're good, but it was still exhausting. We got into Krez Town to try to find a bike mechanic to double check the wheel and make sure that the small wobble that was in it could be alleviated, but it's olive picking season. And when we got into town, the woman at the bike shop said, oh yeah, well, maybe the bike mechanic's coming in later. Go eat some breakfast and come back. And we stopped for some coffee and got some delicious pastries, came back to the bike shop and she said, oh yeah, huh, he's picking olives and he won't come until the evening. Well, it was 10 o'clock in the morning and we weren't prepared to stick around Town the whole day on the off chance that the olive-picking bike mechanic would show up. So we filled our water bottles, Craig messed around with the wheel a little bit more, 
and we continued on to the opposite side of the island where we caught a ferry to Kirk Island. We had lunch on the boat. We packed some cheese and some meat and some delicious bakery bread, which is a pretty standard lunch for us these days. And I discovered my new favorite Croatian beverage, Elderflower Radler. It is fabulous. Highly recommend it. I like the grapefruit. I like the lemon, but the elderflower definitely takes the cake. When we got to Kirk Island, it was even more abandoned than Krez. We went to a campsite and the woman said, oh no, we're closed for the season. You definitely can't pitch a tent here. She suggested one other campsite that was actually in the opposite direction of where we were heading. And so we decided, well, we're going to cycle north. We want to get to this abandoned hotel and we'll scope it out and see if we can stay there. The cycle to the hotel was hilly and gorgeous and Kirk Island has lots of little switchback windy roads and when we got to the hotel it was bigger than we had heard more ruined than we expected, and full of graffiti and broken glass. The hotel was built in the 70s by the owner of Penthouse Magazine, and in its day, it was an opulent palace. There are little benches and beaches built into the coastline, independent buildings for suites of apartments and a big restaurant and a beach bar and a huge hotel and it's all in ruins after the war no one came back to fix it up and it's just been sitting there abandoned full of graffiti the pool is totally drained and full of paintings there's a old mini golf course that's totally overgrown and really looks Soviet era and we stayed there we pitched our tent on the tennis courts and it wasn't too far away from a lot of people the walking path next to the sea was full of strollers and people walking around and yet no one came up to find us we were maybe 100 meters from an apartment building and maybe 100 meters from people walking along the path and nobody stopped. We walked down to town to see if we could find some water. We were totally out and it was stressing me out a little bit. We found a boat marina that had water taps and I was so happy to fill up the water bottles and we kept going thinking, all right, well, we'll grab a drink and grab something to eat. We went to a little bar and again, the rain, just torrential rain came down as we were sitting on the balcony. We went inside and ordered another drink because there was no way we could walk back to the tent in that weather. There was a board up above the bar with currency from all over the world. In Craig's wallet, he still had money from Lao, Kip, and money from Vietnam, Dong, and money from Cambodia, Riel. So he picked out the small bills, and we wrote little messages on them and hung them up on the board above the bar. When the rain slowed, we walked slowly back towards our campsite and stopped 
in the jazz bar where we met a really nice bartender named Marco. He was from Serbia and talked to us a little bit about Croatia. We played some pool, tried some new drinks, and then we got some pastries because late night bakeries are a key staple of Croatian nightlife and I wish that they were in America too. There is something fabulous about having nice fresh baked bread and pastries for dinner or after drinks or really any time of day. And then we went back to the tennis courts and tucked ourselves in for a nice night's sleep. When you're wild camping, every morning is a little present. You're like, yes, we didn't get found. No one kicked us out. No one moved us along. We're still here. We're not in trouble. We packed up our, at this point, pretty wet tent since it had been raining and loaded up the bikes and saw a woman who was foraging for mushrooms. I think she was just as surprised to see us as we were to see her. We wandered down the path and found what we think is her van and a place where someone had been feeding a bunch of stray cats. There were at least seven cats eating scraps along this little wall. There are so many cats in Croatia. They're pretty pleasant and super cute and they lurk in the alleys. I don't know if they belong to anyone or they're just alley cats, but everywhere we go we see cats and kittens sometimes they come up to us and sometimes they just peek at us from afar the morning ferry left kirk island at 7:20, and we decided to forego it and change the plan and get off of the itinerary and instead continue cycling north to rieka i was tired the hills were killing me and i needed a break the ride north out of kirka was stunning we drove over this huge bridge on our bicycles that led us from the island to the mainland. We skipped the highway and went around the mountain passes where we met a retired music professor who had the same mountain bike as Craig. He gave us some directions and asked about where we were from and where we were going. He was super friendly and like almost everyone we run into in Croatia spoke fabulous English. When we had stopped because Craig wanted to check out the wobble in his tire again, another retiree came by and he said, Oh, I never have a chance to practice English. Who are you? Where are you from? I've been retired 17 years. I'm drawing my pension. What can I give you? And he stopped and gave us a needle to blow up a soccer ball and some chocolate-covered bananas and then drove away in his car towards the village where he said his wife was waiting for him. We got to Rijeka, and it was a gorgeous town, another huge descent, beautiful architecture. It was very opulent, very decorative, very richly ornamental. It reminded me of Vienna, Austria. Still a port town, lots of shipping, lots of boats. And when we got to the ferry, they said, no bicycles on the catamarans. Earlier in the trip, this would have caused a huge disagreement. It would have been stressful, it would have been frustrating, and it was those things, but we just handled it so much better. 
We had already given up on the itinerary, and so anything that happened from here on out was going to be new. It was going to be maybe difficult, but it didn't really matter. We got a beer at the bar across from the bus station. We had tickets to Zadar. We knew we could talk to the bus driver about putting the bicycles under the bus, and the rest would work itself out. Neither Craig or I had ever been there, and, well, this was a new portion of the adventure. The sea was calling, the national park was waiting, and we were still on our bicycles. I'm Regina Beach, and you've been listening to Saturn Returns. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes or find us online at www.reginagbeach.com. Click on the link for Saturn Returns podcast. See you next time.